Chapter Nine, Volume Two of Rob Roy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rob Roy by Sir Walter Scott, Volume Two, Chapter Ninth. An iron race the mountain cliffs maintain, foes to the gentler genius of the plain who while their rocky ramparts round they see the rough abode of want and liberty as lawless force from confidence will grow insult the plenty of the vales below gray what made ye so late said mr jarvie as i entered the dining parlour of that honest gentleman it is chappet wain the best fica five minutes by gain matty has been twice at the door with the dinner and weel for you it was a top's head for that canna suffer by delay a sheep's head our muckle boiled is rank poison as my worthy father used to say he liked the lugaween weel honest man i made a suitable apology for my breach of punctuality and was soon seated at table where mr jarvie presided with great glee and hospitality compelling however owen and myself to do rather more justice to the scottish dainties with which his board was charged then was quite agreeable to our southern palates. I escaped pretty well from having those habits of society which enable one to elude this species of well-meant persecution. But it was ridiculous enough to see Owen, whose ideas of politeness were more rigorous and formal, and who was willing, in all acts of lawful compliance, to evince his respect for the friend of the firm, eating with rueful complacence mouthful after mouthful of singed wool, and pronouncing it excellent in a tone in which disgust almost overpowered civility when the cloth was removed mr jarvie compounded with his own hands a very small bowl of brandy punch the first which i had ever the fortune to see the limes he assured us were from his own little farm yonder away indicating the west indies with a knowing shrug of his shoulders and he had learned the art of composing the liquor from old captain coffinkey who acquired it he added in a whisper as maist they thought among the buccaneers but it's excellent liquor said he helping us round and good ware as aifen come frae a wicked market and as for captain coffinkey he was a decent man when i kent him only he used to swear awfully but he's dead and gay into his account and i trust he's accepted i trust he's accepted we found the liquor exceedingly palatable and it led to a long conversation between owen and our host on the opening which the union had afforded to trade between glasgow and the british colonies in america and the west indies and on the facilities which glasgow possessed of making up sortable cargoes for that market mr jarvie answered some objection which owen made on the difficulty of sorting a cargo for america without buying from england with vehemence and volubility nay nay sir we stand on our ain bottom we pickle in our ain pockniuk we hae own sterling serges musselborough stuffs aberdeen hose edinburgh shalloons and the like for our woollen or worsted goods and we hae linens of all kinds better and cheaper than ye hae in london itself and we can buy your north of england wares as manchester wares sheffield wares and newcastle wares than wares as cheap as ye can at liverpool and we are making a fair spell at cottons and muslins nay nay let every herring hing by its ain head and every sheep by its ain shank and ye'll find sir us glasgow folk no so far ahint but what we may follow this is but a poor entertainment for you mr osbaldistone observing that i had been for some time silent 
but ye ken cadgers mon i be speaking about cart saddles i apologized alleging the painful circumstances of my own situation and the singular adventures of the morning as the causes of my abstraction and absence of mind in this manner i gained what i sought an opportunity of telling my story distinctly and without interruption i only omitted mentioning the wound i had received which i did not think worthy of notice mr jarvie listened with great attention and apparent interest twinkling his little grey eyes taking snuff and only interrupting me by brief interjections when i came to the account of the rencontre at which owen folded his hands and cast up his eyes to heaven the very image of woeful surprise mr jarvie broke in upon the narration with rang now clane rang to draw a sword on your kinsman is inhibited by the laws of god and man and to draw a sword on the streets of a royal borough is punishable by fine and imprisonment and the college yards are nae better privileged they should be a place of peace and quietness i trow the college didna get good six hundred pound a year out of the bishop's rents sorrow for the brood of bishops and the rents too nor yet a lease of the archbishopric of glasgow the cellet that they sid let folks toolsy in their yards or the wild callants bicker there with snowballs as they wilds do that when matty and i gae through we are fain to make a bake and a bow or run the risk of our hands being knocked out it sull be looked to but come away we are tail what fell maist readers note the boys in scotland used formerly to make a sort of saturnalia in a snowstorm by pelting passengers with snowballs but those exposed to that annoyance were excused from it on the easy penalty of a bake curtsy from a female or a bow from a man it was only the refractory who underwent the storm and readers note on my mentioning the appearance of mr campbell jarvie arose in great surprise and paced the room exclaiming robin again robert's mad clean wood and war rob will be hanged and disgrace eyes kindred and that will be seen and heard teller my father the deacon wrought him his first hose Od, i am thinking deacon three ply the rape spinner will be twisting his last cravat ay ay poor robin is a fair way of being hanged but come away come away let's hear the law of it i told the whole story as pointedly as i could but mr jarvie still found something lacking to make it clear until i went back though with considerable reluctance on the whole story of morris and of my meeting with campbell at the house of justice inglewood mr jarvie inclined a serious ear to all this and remained silent for some time after i had finished my narrative upon all these matters i am now to ask your advice mr jarvie which i have no doubt will point out the best way to act for my father's advantage and my own honour you're right young man you're right said the bailey i take the counsel of those who are older and wiser than yourself and binna like the goddess rehoboam who took the advice of a ween beardless callants neglecting the old counsellors who had sate at the feet of his father solomon and as it was weel put by mr michael john in his lecture on the chapter were doubtless partakers of his sapience but i maun hear naething about honour we ken naething here but about credit honour is a homicide and a blood spiller that gangs about making phrase in the street but credit is a decent honest man that sits at him and makes the pat play assuredly mr jarvie said our friend owen credit is the sum total and if we can but save that at whatever discount ye are right mr owen ye are right ye speak weel and wisely and i trust bowls will row right though they are a wee a gee e now but touching robin i am of opinion he will befriend this young man if it is in his power he has a good heart poor robin and though i lost a matter of twelve hundred pounds with his former engagements 
and hain a muckle expectations ever to see back my thousand pounds scots that he promises me e and ow yet i will never say but what robin means fair by men am i to consider him i replied as an honest man <clears throat> replied jarvie with a precautionary sort of cough ay he has a kind o highland honesty he's honest after a sort as they say my father the deacon used i to laugh when he told me how that byword came up when captain costlet was cracking crows about his loyalty to king charles and clerk pettigrew ye'll ha heard mony a tale about him asked him after what manner he served the king when he was fighting again him at worcester in cromwell's army and captain costlet was a ready body and said that he served him after a sort my honest father used to laugh well at that sport and say the byword came up but do you think i said that this man will be able to serve me after a sort or should i trust myself to this place of rendezvous which he's given me frankly and fairly it's worth trying ye you see yourself there's some risk in ye staying here this bit body morris has got a custom-house place down at greenock that's a port on the firth down by here and though all the world kens him to be but a twa-legged creature wear a goose's head and a hen's heart that goes about on the quay plaguing folks about permits and cockets and dockets and all that vexatious trade yet if he lodge an information oh no doubt a man in magisterial duty man attend to it and ye might come to be clapped up when four was wilk wad be ill convenient to your father's affairs true i observed yet what service am i likely to render him by leaving glasgow which it is probable will be the principal scene of rashleigh's machinations and committing myself to the doubtful faith of a man of whom i know little but that he fears justice and has doubtless good reasons for doing so and that for some secret and probably dangerous purpose he is in close league and alliance with the very person who is like to be the author of our ruin ay but ye judge rob hardly said the bailie ye judge him hardly poor child and the truth is that ye ken nothing about our hill country or highlands as we call them they are clean and neither set for their likehoods. There's nae bailey courts among them, nae magistrates that dinna bear the sword in vain, like the worthy deacon that's away. And I may say it like myself and other present magistrates in this city, but it's just the laird's command, and the loon man loop, and the never another law hae they but the length of their dirks, the broadsword's pursuer or a plaintiff, as you Englishers caught, and the target is defender, the stoutest head bears longest out and there's a highland plea for ye owen groaned deeply and i allow that the descriptions did not greatly increase my desire to trust myself in a country so lawless as he described these scottish mountains now sir said jarvie we speak little o they things because they are familiar to ourselves and where's the use of vilifying wind's country and bringing a discredit on wind's kin before southerns and strangers it's an ill bird that files its ain nest well sir but as it is no impertinent curiosity of mine but real necessity that obliges me to make these inquiries i hope you will not be offended at my pressing for a little farther information i have to deal on my father's account with several gentlemen of these wild countries and i must trust your good sense and experience for the requisite lights upon the subject this little morsel of flattery was not thrown out in vain experience said the bailey i ha had experience nae doubt and i hae made some calculations ay and to speak quietly among ourselves i ha made some perquisitions through andrew wiley my old clerk he's with mcvidie and co now but he whiles drinks a gill on the saturday afternoons wi his old master and since ye say are willing to be guided by the glasgow weaver body's advice i am no the man that will refuse it to the son of my old correspondent and my father the deacon was nane sick afore me i have whiles thought o letting my lights burn before the duke of argyle or his brother lord Ely 
for wherefore should they be hidden under a bushel but the like o they great man wouldna mind the like o me a poor wabster body they think more o wha says a thing than o what the thing is that said the mare's the pity mare's the pity not that i would speak ony ill of this macallum moor cares not the rich in your red chamber saith the son of sirach for a bird of the air shall carry the clatter and pint stoups hae lang lugs i interrupted these prolegomena in which mr jarvie was apt to be somewhat diffuse by praying him to rely upon mr owen and myself as perfectly secret and safe confidants it's no for that he replied for i fear nae man what for should i i spake no treason only they highlandmen hae lang grips and i whiles gang a wee bit up the glens to see some old kinsfolks and i wouldna willingly be in bad blood wi any o their clans howsomever to proceed ye man understand i found my remarks on figures whilk as mr owen here weel kens is the only true demonstrable root of human knowledge owen readily assented to a proposition so much in his own way and our orator proceeded these highlands of ours as we call them gentlemen are but a wild kind of world by themselves full of heights and howes woods caverns lochs rivers and mountains that it would tire the very devil's wings to flee to the top of them and in this country and in the isles wilk are little better or to speak the truth rather wire than the mainland there are about twee hundred and thirty parakeens including the orkneys where whether they speak gaelic or no i wotna but they are an uncivilized people now sirs i shall hold ilk parakeen at the moderate estimate of eight hundred examinable persons deducting children under nine years of age and then adding one-fifth to stand for bairns of nine years old and under the whole population will reach the sum of let us add one-fifth to eight hundred to be the multiplier and two hundred and thirty being the multiplicand the product said mr owen who entered delightedly into these statistics of mr jarvie will be two hundred and thirty thousand right sir perfectly right and the military array of this highland country where are the men folk between eighteen and fifty-six brought out that could bear arms couldn't a come wheel sort of fifty-seven thousand five hundred men now sir it's a sad enough a truth that there is neither work nor the very fashion nor appearance of work for the tay half of the pure creatures that is to say that the agriculture the pasturage the fisheries and every species of honest industry about the country cannot employ the one moiety of the population let them work as lazily as they like and if they do work as if a plough or a spade burnt their fingers ah well sir this moiety of unemployed bodies amounting to to one hundred and fifteen thousand souls said owen being the half of the above product ye hate mr owen ye hate whereof there may be twenty-eight thousand seven hundred able-bodied gillies fit to bear arms and that do bear arms and will touch a look at nay honest means of livelihood even if they could get it which lack a day they cannot but is it possible said i mr jarvie that this can be a just picture of so large a portion of the isle of britain sir i'll make it as plain as peter paisley's pike staff i will allow that ilk parakeen on average employs fifty plows with as a great proportion in sick miserable soil as they creatures hate to labour and that there may be pasture enough for play horses and elson and forty or fifty cows now to take care of the plows and cattle we's allow seventy-five families of six lives in ilk family and we's add fifty mare to make even numbers and ye have five hundred souls that tay half of the population employed and maintained in a sort of fashion with some chance of sour milk and crowdy but i would be glad to ken what the other five hundred are to do 
"'In the name of God,' said I, "'what do they do, Mr. Jarvie? "'It makes me shudder to think of their situation.' "'Sir,' replied the bailie, "'you would maybe shudder more if you were living near hand them, "'for admitting that the day half of them "'may make some little thing for themselves honestly, "'in the lowlands by sheer and harst, "'droving, haymaking, and the like, "'ye hay still money hundreds and thousands "'of lang-legged highland gillies "'that will neither work nor want.' and mon gang thigging and sorning about on their acquaintance or live by doing the laird's bidding be to right or be to rang readers note thigging and sorning was a kind of genteel begging or rather something between begging and robbing by which the needy in scotland used to extort cattle or the means of subsistence from those who had any to give and readers note and mere especially mony hundreds of them come down to the borders of the low country where there's gear to grip and live by stealing riving lifting cows and like depredations a thing deplorable on any christian country the mare especially that they take pride in it and reckon driving a spray whilk is in plain scotch stealing herd of nowter a gallant manly action and mare befitting of pretty men as sick rivers will call themselves than to win a day's wage by any honest thrift readers note the word pretty is or was used in scotch in the sense of the german prachtig and meant a gallant alert fellow prompt and ready at his weapons and readers note and the lairds are as bad as the loons for if they dinna bid them gay rive and harry the dial a bit they forbid them and they shelter them or let them shelter themselves in their woods and mountains and strongholds whenever the thing's done and every one of them will maintain as money his wain name or his clan as we say as he can rap and rend means for or wilkes the same thing as money as can in any fashion fair or foul maintain themselves and there they are with gun and pistol dirk and darlach ready to disturb the peace of the country whenever the laird likes and that's the grievance of the highlands we'll gar and hae been for this thousand years by past a bike of the maist lawless unchristian limmers that ever disturbed a douce quiet god-fearing neighbourhood like this o ours in the west here and this kinsman of yours and friend of mine is he one of those great proprietors who maintain the household troops you speak of i inquired nay nay said bailie jarvie he's nanny a great grandees of chiefs as they call them neither though he is well born and lineally descended for old glenstray i ken his lineage indeed he is a near kinsman and as i said of good gentle highland blood though you may think well that i care little about that nonsense it's all moonshine and water waste threads and thrums as we say but i could show you letters frae his father that was a third off glenstray to my father deacon jarvie peace be with his memory beginning dear deacon and ending your loving kinsman to command they are most about borrowed siller say the good deacon that's dead and gain keep it them as documents and evidence he was a careful man but if he is not i resumed one of their chiefs or patriarchal leaders whom i have heard my father talk of this kinsman of yours has at least much to say in the highlands i presume ye may say that nay nem better kent between the lennox and breadlebane robin was once a well-doing painstaking drover as ye wad see among ten thousand it was a pleasure to see him in his belted plaid and brogues wi his target at his back and claymore and dirk at his belt following a hundred highland stots and a dozen of the gillies as rough and ragged as the beasts they drave and he was baith civil and just in his dealings and if he thought his chapman had made a hard bargain he would give him a lucky penny to the men's i ha kenned him give back five shillings out of the pound sterling twenty-five per cent said owen a heavy discount 
he would get though sir as i tell ye mad especially if he thought the buyer was a pure man and couldna stand by a loss but the times came hard and rob was venturesome it was na my thought it was na my thought he cannot wait me i aye told him ot and the creditors mad especially some grit neighbours o his gripped to his living in land and they say his wife was turned out of the house to the hillside and sir misguided to the boot shame for shame for i am a peaceful man and a magistrate but if any one had guided say muckle as my servant queen maddie as it's like they guided rob's wife i think it's sort of set the shabble cutlass that my father the deacon had it both well brig a walking again well rob came home and fan desolation god pity us where he left plenty he looked east west south north and saw neither hog nor hope neither bile nor shelter say he ain put the bonnet o'er his brow belted the broadsword to his side took to the brave side and became a broken man note an outlaw the voice of the good citizen was broken by his contending feelings he obviously while he professed to contemn the pedigree of his highland kinsman attached a secret feeling of consequence to the connection and he spoke of his friend in his prosperity with an overflow of affection which deepened his sympathy for his misfortunes and his regret for their consequences thus tempted and urged by despair said i seeing mr jarvie did not proceed in his narrative i suppose your kinsman became one of those depredators you have described to us no so bad as that said the glaswegian no altogether and outright so bad as that but he became a levier of blackmail wider and farther than ever it was raised in our day all through the lennox and mentaith and up to the gates of stirling castle blackmail i do not understand the phrase i remarked ow oh, you see rob soon gathered an unco band o blue bonnets at his back for he comes o a rough name when he's kent by his ain and a name that's held its ain for money a long year baith again king and parliament and kirk too for aught i ken an eld and honourable name for as sarah's it had been worried and hadn down and oppressed my mother was a macgregor i care na wha kens it and robert had soon a gallant band and as it grieved him he said to see sick heirship and waste and depredation to the south of the highland line why if only heritor or farmer would pay him four pounds scot out of each hundred pounds of value rent wilk was doubtless a moderate consideration rob engaged to keep them scatheless let them send to him if they lost say muckle as a single cloot by thieving and rob engaged to get them again or pay the value and he aye keep it his word i canna deny but he keep it his word amen allow rob keeps his word that is a very singular contract of assurance said mr owen it's clean again our statute law that must be owned said jarvie clean again law the levying and the pay and blackmail are both punishable but if the law cannot protect my barn and buyer what first would i no engage wi a highland gentleman that can answer me that but said i mr jarvie is this contract of blackmail as you call it completely voluntary on the part of the landlord or farmer who pays the insurance or what usually happens in case any one refuses payment of this tribute aha lad said the baby laughing and putting his finger to his nose ye think ye hae me there troth i would advise ony friend o mine to agree with rob for watch as they like and do what they like they are sair apt to be harried when the lang nights come on Note, plundered some of the graham and cahoon gentry stood out but what then they lost their hail stock the first winter so maist folk now think it best to come into rob's terms he's easy wi a body that will be easy wi him but if ye throw him ye'd better throw the devil 
and by his exploits in these vocations i continued i suppose he has rendered himself amenable to the laws of the country amenable you may say that his craig would ken the way to his herdies if they could get hold of rob but he has good friends among the great folk and i could tell you o' a great family that keeps him up as far as they decently can to be all them in the side of another and then he's sick an old far and long-headed child as ever took up the trade o' catherine in our time money a daft rake he has played mair than wad fill a book and a queer when it would be as good as robin hood or william wallace ah for a venturesome deeds and escapes sick as folk tell our at a winter ingle in the daft days it's a queer thing o' me gentlemen that am a man o peace mysel and a peaceful man's son for the deacon my father quarrelled with nan out of the town council it's a queer thing i say but i think the highland blood o me warms at the daft tales and whilst i like better to hear them than a word o prophet good forgive me but they are vanities sinful vanities and moreover again the statute law again the statute and gospel law i now followed up my investigation by inquiring what means of influence this mr robert campbell could possibly possess over my affairs or those of my father why you are to understand said mr jarvie in a very subdued tone i speak among friends and under the rose you are to understand that the highlands have been keep it quiet since the year eighty nine that was killiecrankie year but how hae they been keep it quiet think ye by siller mr owen by siller mr osbaldistone king william caused breadlebane distribute twenty thousand owd punds sterling among them and it said the old highland earl keep it a long lugget in his ain sporin and then queen anne that's did gave the chiefs bits of pensions so they had wherewith to support their gillies and catherines at work nay work as i said afore and they lay by quiet enough sayin some sprayery in the lowlands wilk is their use and want and some cotton of thrapples among themselves that nae civilized body kens or cares onything anent well but there's a new word come up with this king george i say god bless him for when there's neither like to be siller nor pensions gown among them they hae na the means o' maintaining the clans that eat them up as ye may guess frae what i said before their credit's gain in the lowlands and a man that can whistle ye up a thousand or fifteen hundred lincoln lads to do his will wad hardly get fifty pounds on his band at the cross of glasgow this canna stand lang there will be an outbreak for the stuarts there will be an outbreak they will come down to the low country like a flood as they did in the wafer wars o' montrose and that will be seen and heard tell o ere a twelvemonth gangs round yet still i said i do not see how this concerns mr campbell much less my father's affairs rob can levy five hundred men sir and therefore war should concern him as muckle as maist folk replied the bailie for it is a faculty that is far less profitable in time o' peace then to tell ye the truth i doubt he has been the prime agent between some our highland chiefs and the gentlemen to the north o england we all heard of the public money that was taen for the child morris somewhere about the fit of cheviot by rob and one of the old spalderstone lads and to tell ye the truth word gaed that it was you yourself mr francis and sorry it was that your father's son sort of taen to sick practices nay ye needna say a word about it i see well i was mistaken but i would believe anything our stage player whilk i concluded you to be but now i doubt na it has been rashly himself or some other o your cousins they are all tarred with the same stick rank jacobites and papists and what thing the government siller and government papers lawful prize and the creature morris is sick a cowardly caitiff that to this hour he darna say that it was rob took the portmanteau aff him 
and troth he's right for your custom-house and excise cattle are ill like it on all sides and rob might get a back-handed lick at him before the board as they caught could help him i have long suspected this mr jarvie said i and perfectly agree with you but as to my father's affairs suspected it it's certain it's certain i ken them that saw some of the papers that were taken off morris it's needless to say where but to your father's affairs ye man think that in they twenty years by gan some of the highland lairds and chiefs had come to some small sense of their ain interest your father and others hae bought the woods of glen disseries glen kissoch tobernay kippoch and mony mair besides and your father's house has granted large bills in payment and as the credit o osbaldistone and tresham was good for i'll say before mr owen's face as i would behind his back that baiting misfortunes of the lord's sending nay men could be mair honourable in business the highland gentlemen holders of a bills have found credit in glasgow and edinburgh i might almost say in glasgow wholly for it's little the pride for edinburgh folk do in real business for all or the greater part of the contents of a bills so that aha do you see me now i confessed i could not quite follow his drift why said he if these bills are not paid the glasgow merchant comes on the highland lairds who hae dell a bottle of siller and will like ill to spew up what is item or spent they will turn desperate five hundred will rise that might ha sitten a helm the dell will gay our jock webster and the stopping of your father's house will hasten the outbreak that's been so long biding us you think then said i surprised at this singular view of the case that rashly as balderstone has done this injury to my father merely to accelerate a rising in the highlands by distressing the gentleman to whom these bills were originally granted doubtless doubtless it has been one main reason mr osbaldistone i doubt na but what the ready money he carried off wi him might be another but that makes comparatively but a small part of your father's loss though it might make the mace part of rashley's direct gain the assets he carried off are of nae mair use to him than if he were to light his pipe with them he tried if mcfitty and co would gain siller on them that i ken by andrew wiley but they were our auld cats to draw that stray afore them they keep it off and gave fair words rashley osbaldistone is better kenned than trusted in glasgow for he was here about some jacobitical papistical troking in seventeen hundred and seven and left debt ahind him nay nay he cannot pit off the paper here folk will misdoubt him how he come by it na na he'll hae the stuff safe at some of their halls in the highlands and i dare say my cousin rob could get at it guinea liked but would he be disposed to serve us in this pinch mr jarvie said i you have described him as an agent of the jacobite party and deeply connected in their intrigues will he be disposed for my sake or if you please for the sake of justice to make an act of restitution which supposing it in his power would according to your view of the case materially interfere with their plans i cannot precisely speak to that the grandees among them are doubtful rob and he's doubtful of them and he's been weel friended with the argyle family or stand for the present model of government if he was freed of his hornings and captions he would rather be on argyle's side than he would be on breadlebane's for there's all deal will between the breadlebane family and his kin and name the truth is that rob is for his ain hand as henry Wyndfoot. he'll take the side that suits him best if the dell was laird rob would be for being tenant and ye canna blame him pure fellow considering his circumstances readers note 
two great clans fought out a quarrel with thirty men of a side in presence of the king on the north inch of perth on or about the year thirteen ninety two a man was a-missing on one side whose room was filled by a little bandy-legged citizen of perth this substitute henry wind or as the highlanders called him galchrome that is the bandy-legged smith fought well and contributed greatly to the fate of the battle without knowing which side he fought on so to fight for your own hand like henry wind passed into a proverb this incident forms a conspicuous part of the subsequent novel the fair maid of perth end reader's note but there's i thing sad again ye rob has a grey mare in his stable at hame a grey mare said i what is that to the purpose the wife man the wife an awful wife she is she down abide the sight of a kindly scot if he come frae the lowlands far less of an englisher and she'll be keen for a that can set up king james and ding down king george it is very singular i replied that the mercantile transactions of london citizens should become involved with revolutions and rebellions not at all man not at all returned mr jarvie that's all your silly prejudications i read wilds in the lang dark nights and i hae read in baker's chronicle that the merchants o london could gar the bank o genoa break their promise to advance a mighty sum to the king of spain whereby the sailings of the great spanish armata was put out for a half year what do you think of that sir readers note the chronicle of the kings of england by sir richard baker with continuations passed through several editions between sixteen forty one and seventeen thirty three whether any of them contain the passage alluded to is doubtful End of reader's note. That the merchants did their country golden service, which ought to be honourably remembered in our histories. I think so, too. They would do will and deserve will, both of the state and of humanity. That would save three or four honest highland gentlemen from looping heads or heels into destruction. We are their pure sackless followers, just because they cannot pay back the siller they had reason to count upon as their ain and save your father's credit and my own good siller that osbaldistone and tresham owes me into the bargain note sackless that is innocent i say if wayne could manage all this i think it should be done and said unto him even if he were a poorer car the shuttle body as unto one whom the king delighteth to honour i cannot pretend to estimate the extent of public gratitude i replied but our own thankfulness mr jarvie would be commensurate with the extent of the obligation which added mr owen we would endeavour to balance with a pair contra the instant our mr osbaldistone returns from holland i doubt na i doubt na he is a very worthy gentleman and responsible and with some of my lights might do muckle business in scotland well sir if these assets could be redeemed out of the hands of the philistines they are good paper they are the right stuff when they are in the right hands and that's yours mr owen and i's find ye three men in glasgow for as little as ye may think o us mr owen that sandy steenson in the tradesland and john peary in candlerigs and another that shall be nameless at this present shall advance what sums are sufficient to secure the credit of your house and seek nae better security owen's eyes sparkled at this prospect of extrication but his countenance instantly fell on recollecting how improbable it was that the recovery of the assets as he technically called them should be successfully achieved dinna despair sir dinna despair said mr jarvie i hae tae and say muckle concern wi your affairs already that it mounin be ower shown our boots wi me now i am just like my father the deacon praise be wi him i canna meddle wi a friend's business but i aye end wi makin it my ain say i'll e'en pit on my boots in the morn 
and be jogging our German muir with Mr. Frank here, and if I canna make Rob here reason, and his wife too, I dinna can what can. I have been a kind friend to them afore now, to say nothing our looking him last night, when naming his name would have cost him his life. I'll be hearing of this in the council, maybe, for Bailey Graham and McVitie, and some of them. They have cost up my kindred to Rob, to me already. Set up their nash gabs, I told them I would vindicate nae man's faults, but set apart what he had done again the law of the country, and the heirship of the Lennox, and the misfortune of some folks losing life by him. He was an honester man than stood on ony of their shanks. And what for said I mind their clavers? If Rob is an outlaw, to himself be it said, there is nae laws now about reset of intercommune persons, as there was in the ill times of the last Stuarts. I trow I have a Scotch tongue in my head. If they speak, I's answer. It was with great pleasure that I saw the Bailey gradually surmount the barriers of caution, under the united influence of public spirit and good-natured interest in our affairs, together with his natural wish to avoid loss and acquire gain, and not a little harmless vanity. Through the combined operation of these motives, he at length arrived at the doughty resolution of taking the field in person to aid in the recovery of my father's property. His whole information led me to believe that if the papers were in possession of this highland adventurer, it might be possible to induce him to surrender what he could not keep with any prospect of personal advantage, and I was conscious that the presence of his kinsman was likely to have a considerable weight with him. I therefore cheerfully acquiesced in Mr. Jarvie's proposal that we should set out early next morning. That honest gentleman was indeed as vivacious and alert in preparing to carry his purpose into execution, as he had been slow and cautious in forming it. He roared to Matty, "'Do Abby's trot cosy have his jackboots graced and set before the kitchen fire all night, and to see that his beast be corned, and all his riding gear in order?' Having agreed to meet him at five o'clock next morning, and having settled that Owen, whose presence could be of no use to us upon this expedition, should await our return at Glasgow, we took a kind farewell of this unexpectedly zealous friend. I installed Owen in an apartment in my lodgings, contiguous to my own, and giving orders to Andrew Fairservice to attend me next morning at the hour appointed, I retired to rest with better hopes than it had lately been my fortune to entertain. End of Book 2, Chapter 9